Welcome to For What It's Worth podcast. I'm your host, David Oglesby, along with my co-host, Bronson Stewart, from the heart of Franklin, Texas. Each week, we talk about topics ranging from sports to politics to pop culture, but our ultimate goal is to weave the truth of Jesus into everything we do. Thanks for joining us today. If you like what you hear, please share it, subscribe, and mention it to a friend. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of For What It's Worth. All right, we just want to start this podcast off by saying congratulations to the Baylor Bears. I don't uh, want to say congratulations to the Baylor. You're kind of you're you, heartbroken, and it's okay. You want and, to say congratulations? And, but the sad news is, is that March Madness is over, and I'm honestly not sure where we're going to go to next. It's Masters Week, man. Cheer up. Well, we got Masters Week teed off already. We're trying to wrap this podcast up so that we can get out there. No Tiger Woods. That's you know, golf is not the same without him. But there is plenty to be happy about and 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 what a great final four we celebrate right. and so much to take away but just before we jump in just just curious what what was the sorry your alabama crimson tide sorry that's not your biggest takeaway. that would away. be the biggest heartbreak outside of that what what stuck out to you about what without a doubt i, I think we agree craziest march madness tournament yeah, of all time but probably one big surprise to you, not named the Baylor Bears. I mean, they haven't even been the tournament since 1950. They have a program that was coming off killing a player and coaches covering it up. Obviously, a huge surprise. But you tell me, what sucks out to you? Biggest surprise of the tournament? Well, it's got to be UCLA. I mean, coming as an 11 seed, make it all the way to the Final Four. Um, and, and it takes Gonzaga a, a, a final shot to beat them. And I just... So shocked, so surprised. Um, I don't think anybody really expected them to get out of the first round, maybe even the second round. I 100% didn't expect them to beat Alabama. And so for me, UCLA, the biggest surprise. Baylor, if that's your biggest surprise, um, I feel like I feel like they were Final Four material all year long. Um, I feel like they were hey, championship I, I, material I agree. all year long. Here's what I had this thought the other day, not to take anything away from the Baylor Bears, but – if we don't have COVID, are we celebrating Baylor as back-to-back champs? And that's, I mean, did they potentially miss? I mean, they're they're just very, very good, right? Um, and so, no, I I can't I can't personally put that as my biggest surprise. I feel like it was expected. Sure, a lot of people had Gonzaga, and and uh, but you know, I don't think anybody was. I think people were shocked at how they routed Gonzaga on how it's just a blowout, but I don't think a lot of people were completely shocked that Baylor won it. So just to recap, your biggest surprise, not Abilene Christian beating perennial power. Uh, I'm very proud of Grayson though for, for picking Uh, that. You not Loyola Chicago making the elite eight. Okay. Not, my Houston Cougars returning to prominence as a two seed all the way to the final four and playing Baylor bears more competitive and closer than Gonzaga did. No, your underdog is a team that has 18 championships. The legendary John Wooden. This is like your Cinderella day story where you pick a six seed as your Cinderella. You're terrible at these things, but either way, it was a I mem- mean, did you see that coming? It was a memorable tournament. Did you see it coming? I saw Baylor winning it all along. UCLA, I had him there in the Final Four. Oh, yeah, you picked in Gonzaga my, in your bracket. Well, no, but in my post-Final Four bracket, I had the Final Four perfect, okay? That four for four. So it was a great, great tournament, and I'm just really, really glad that we get to boom. 
we finish. Masters will be on TV all weekend. It'll be a great time. And we're off and rolling with the draft around the corner. Our right. draft special coming stop. up soon. Uh, so we got a ton going on in sports. But today we don't necessarily get to go that way because there's there's just so much other things going on. Right. And if you're if you've been tuning in or if you're just now tuning in, um, understand our goal in this is to always find the biggest story in sports, politics, culture, whatever it may be. And today we have a story where it all seems to kind of converge. Um, and it converges here where the MLB decided to move their all-star game out of Georgia because of a recent voter integrity law that was passed passed on March 26th. So we see we have MLB's commissioner, Rob Manfred. Um, he began, after this bill passed, considering moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. And so this prompted President Biden to go on ESPN and say that he would strongly support them in doing that. And so I think as a result of all of that, um, and some companies coming out and speaking out, for example, like Coke, um, MLB moved their all-star game out of Atlanta and into uh, Colorado. And so what what are your initial thoughts on this? This is a big topic and it's going to take us a while to get through it. But my, my initial thoughts are, I don't love the idea of the president weighing in on sports. I thought we were just told in the last four years that the president shouldn't weigh in on sports. Okay. But anyways, I, I don't, I, I lose, um, I lose Gotta track of how we're supposed bit. to do it. Um, what we do know is that shutdowns, lockdowns, while their uh, efficiency and effectiveness is open for debate, different show time, what is not up for debate is that they've caused significant financial harm. Mm, right. And you have a place like Cobb County that 8,000 hotel rooms already booked, somewhere between 100 and $200 million impact on the area, an area that is... Democrat, an area that's 57% um, or, or 50, 50, really 51% black, 49% white, I'm 47% white, somewhere in there. You're moving it to an area that's 70% white and only 10% black. Um, you know, I, I think probably my initial reaction is like so many MLB is fearful of the mob. They will yell, they will shout, we don't really have time to gather the information, so let's take what is being communicated to us by the mainstream media mm. and let's let's run to the path of least resistance. And so it's what they did. And you know, I've read plenty of articles from the black business owners in Atlanta who are, who are heartbroken. Right. This was going to be a jolt to them as they come out of this COVID pandemic and Georgia is set here maybe June 1st to list, lift all COVID restrictions finally. And so let's not forget, Georgia is a state that both senators went Democrat, balancing, right. the, balancing the Senate. It was a state that went for, for Biden. And uh, I think you see a little bit of it now of Biden backpedaling. You know, he has the quote the other day, you got to be careful weighing in on sports because uh, those, those things, we have to be careful, he said, moving events because people in those cities might end up hurt the most. Yeah, like the people who voted for him. Right. And so I think it was a very dangerous precedent for MLB to set, uh, especially given that MLB's offices are in a state with very strict voting deals and uh, that Rob Manfred, hello, he's a member at Augusta. Kind of interesting to put himself in a precarious position, but those are my initial reactions. Right. And so the first thing, and this is what surprised me, and you said it and you hit it on the nail, is people don't do their research. 
And the first thing I did when I saw this is I went online. I started looking up what the bill was and and read it and, and broke it down. And uh, and so let's let's do that together. Let's break this bill down um, and let's look at it at one perspective, and then we'll give our perspective. But see, this is what this is what the people want you to think the bill does. This is what the media wants you to think the bill does. Um, the first thing, voting hours will be restricted. Okay. Now I can see some confusion here. But if, if you just did some research, like like we said, you would see that that is actually not the case, right? From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., that is the minimum requirement. Hear that again, the minimum requirement on election day. See, the law actually allows counties to set voting hours anywhere between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. And so, no, the law does not restrict voting hours. Um, the second thing is that there will be fewer drop boxes. Okay, now... Now, the new law does significantly reduce the number of drop boxes um, from the 2020 level. It does. Um, but the new law um, will also mean that boxes will be held in, in a building and can be accessed in hours that, that early voting is allowed. So rather than a 24 hours a day, as the case was in 2020, Governor Brian Kemp says, well, like, he says people are acting like, like they're taking something, like it, like it never existed until the pandemic. And so it... It, it, it was done by emergency state, um, but, but not by legislative action. And so, like, I mean, this was something that didn't exist before the pandemic. And people are all of a sudden mad when, when it's not completely taken away, but it is, it is significantly removed the number of drop boxes. Sure. And surely we can all agree that having an area of plethora of areas where you can just drop off a ballot with no security checks and balances. Like, I think we can all agree that, that that is not the pathway to the safest system. Right. And so we have to remove that. Number two, what is not up for debate is that voting drop boxes have never existed. They were put in place as a consequence of COVID, mm. which again, just continues to yield us to bigger topics and bigger questions as it relates to voting safety, I'm, you know, going into this last election anyways. And so you have a situation that is what is what this world does to us today. They don't want us to dig into truth, regardless of what side you stand on on this. Right. You have to separate those feelings and you have to say, is less drop boxes easier or harder? What's well, obviously harder. Right. Okay. You have to acknowledge that. However, some is better than none, which prior to last election was the situation. There right. was no some. And so saying that we're going to switch gears and there's going to be one drop box per voting district that is manned, that has greater security, certainly while you may want more, that's a discussion that can be had. You can't argue that it's not a safer means. And I think that was the intent behind right. the bill. Again, Agree from people who did not stand up for Trump. So to say these people, this is an administration that didn't fight hard to do some of the things that the previous president wanted. It's a state that went Democrat, that elected two Democratic senators. And so I think the heart behind this is to make those things safer and to remove people's just hesitancy in believing that elections in this country continue to be safe and balanced. Right. And 
you know, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Um, emotions definitely get in the way. You see fewer drop boxes, you get angry at that. But the reality is, it is safer. Um, and uh, I think it's just going to help the integrity of elections for years to come. And so the third thing, though, on the bill, one of the things is that early voting on Sunday was taken out. And I think this may be one of the most controversial elements of the bill. Um, what was the big assumption here? I, I don't, you know, we're not election experts. We're not experts on anything really, Correct. again, yeah. except Bluebell. This is our opinion. And um, so I, I think the reason they, this views, you can still vote on Sundays, right? Understand yep. that. So early voting days move to 17 days. Is that right? 17 days, which is going to include two Sundays on there. But some of those restrictions are placed on those Sunday votings, which the black church, which would be prevalent in Georgia, has often used as a huge day to rally supporters, go to church. I even think in some of these areas, voting places exist at those churches. And so right. literally they just want to. So I think that that is looked at as a targeted deal. I, I, I don't, I, I feel like 17 days of early voting plus election day is plus, plus what we, what we miss in this is that Georgia basically went to no excuse required absentee Very voting. So if you just say like, Hey, I can't get to a spot. Georgia says no excuse needed. You just say you want to vote by mail instead. And, yep. and they say no questions asked. Here you go. So that to me seems like a pretty good, if, if there was give and take in the, in the that's works of this, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good give and take. And then another one was that people are banned from giving water to voters. And it wasn't that the law eliminates people from getting food or water while in line. Matter of fact, poll workers are allowed to still do so. But here is where the thing comes is, is that they cannot do so within 150 feet of the polling place. And I, I think this is just done as a caution, uh, maybe to keep people from being swayed one way or the other. All right, we have um, third world countries where politicians will go in line and say, "Here's a bag of groceries. Vote for this guy." Right. I mean, we certainly don't want to drift in that way, but there's a couple things that jump out to me. I I you're you're 12. Okay, you haven't voted hardly in any elections. Okay, I've voted in a few. Like the longest I, I voted uh, in 2001 first first election that was a George Bush election and that was a that was a pretty big one. Two Obamas, a Trump. Okay, there's been bit, every election is built with significance. I I honestly, I don't think I've ever waited in line more than ten minutes. Right. Okay? I mean, let, let's just be real here. People waited in line in some major metropolitan areas in the last election for up to three hours, not eight hours. Okay, and and so the the rule is 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 so strange here because what I don't understand is, is why is it the government's responsibility to provide food and water in line? Why can't you, you bring your have you ever gone to Disney? Bottle. Are the lines to get into Disney long? No, it's pretty smooth. Have, have you ever gone to a major sporting event? Stood yes. in a long concession stand line. Have they ever just walked out of the concession stand line and said, Hey, we know the stadium is packed. Here's some, here's a hot dog while you wait. No shot. No, they've said you got to figure out, you got to beat the crowd at halftime or, or whatever lines exist. You go to a theme park, there's a line there. And you know what? They're not walking down the line. So they're saying, Hey, when you get up here, it's still going to be a hundred bucks to get in. Right. When we were in Tennessee, we love to go to minor league baseball and we would get autographs. 
with the kids. And it, that's a story for another day. But we, we would get there four hours early because wow. they would open the gates two hours early and we wanted to be at the front. And you know what we would do? We wouldn't, we would get to the very front of the line and we would have a sandwich and Leah would pack a bottle of water. And we'd have a little umbrella to get some shade. We're not banging on the gate saying, hey, we're out here for four hours. You got to give us some popcorn. Right. I, I just don't understand why we have this, this idea that like, hey, if I'm going to go do this, that it's someone else's job to provide when in any other situation, we would say, hey, I'm going. It might be long. I should probably take a granola bar right. or, or, or a Yeti full of sweet tea with me and be prepared. Right. Absolutely. And those are a bunch of talking points, but. I think this is the biggest talking point. This is the one that really sticks out to a lot of people. Um, and that is that ID is required to vote and to cast in your mail-in ballot. And so what what do we have there? What's What are your thoughts? Well, this is, this is the best talking point. And it's one of those things that you have to be so careful of or you're con- considered ignorant or insensitive. 36 states require an ID to vote. Texas is one of those. I remember prior to some of these rules thinking, I just walk in, I I need no ID to vote. It just, it just seems crazy because I have to have major league baseball makes me have an ID to pick up tickets from will call. My state requires me to have an ID to operate a motor vehicle. You have to have an ID to go get the vaccine. You have to have an ID to board the plane or buy alcohol, or you virtually have to have an ID every single time to do anything in this country. And so claiming that having to have an ID to vote is racist just naturally causes me to go to the question to say, well, then is driving racist? Like if, if you have to have an ID to operate a motor vehicle, then isn't selling alcohol racist or providing air travel? Like aren't, aren't these things restrictive? There's so many stats that just support this the opposite way that that they say 97 to 98% of voters in Georgia have an ID 67 to 70% of African American voters support requiring an ID to vote and so the thing that just gets me here is saying that you have to have an ID to vote is racist because black people can't figure out how to get an ID or go to the DMV. Isn't that in fact racist? That's cutting it close. I mean, I mean, to me to say we can't require IDs because this segment of the population is too dumb to figure out how to get one. Sounds pretty racist. Sounds pretty ignorant and racist to me, but you're not allowed to question those statements, but that's, that's exactly what we're doing. But in doing so, there's these heavy accusations that are leveled against these rules and these opinions. Yeah, and so really, Bronson, it begs the question, and this is a this is a big question: Is this really Jim Crow 2.0? Man, we've done a pretty good job. I feel like on this podcast, right? Of we kind of stay pretty calm. Yesterday, you and I were kind of talking through this, yeah. and you said, "Wow, I've never seen you this worked up." I cannot believe as a history major, those of us who know Jim Crow laws would call this Jim Crow 2.0. I was sharing with you a story. I'm working with a couple right now who's having their grandparents boycott their wedding and have 
written them completely out of their will because they are an interracial couple. Mm. Okay, that's real racism. For, for anyone who doesn't know because you forgot or your history teacher didn't clear it with you, Jim Crow laws were intentional, violent, disgusting rules that basically made another human being worthless. They, they detailed where and how uh, black people could work or eat. They, Jim Crow laws talked about how much they could make, right? They appeared all throughout the South. Basically, they took away voting rights. They controlled where they could live, drive. Jim Crow laws, hello, seized black children for indentured servitude. It, it led to Confederate soldiers then becoming judges and, and police officers, which made it impossible for them to, to, um, to win court cases that they brought through. It was the Jim Crow era that introduced segregated waiting rooms. This whole idea, this whole oxymoron of separate, but equal separate waiting rooms and bus stations, water fountains, restrooms, building entrances, elevators. You know, this is why we even have black cemeteries and, and, you know, it, this isn't what, what people forget. It isn't until 1954 we get Brown versus Board of Education, Topeka Board of Education, that we even strike down this whole separate but equal. And so to me, that that is real racism. That is hurtful racism. Requiring an ID to prove you are who you are so you can do the things that an ID requires, that's manufactured racism. Mm. And people who have walked through that, when we listen to them, I think they say, no, you have no idea what the Jim Crow era was like. Do we still have a work to do? Yes. Do we still have a ways to go? Yes. We battle so much of that right here in our community. We're right. trying to love our entire community because that hasn't always been the case. But when we sit down and talk to them, there's a, there's a universal agreement that says, come on, man, that's manufactured racism. That's right. And that's right. And, you know, it's so hard to sit here and you kind of think that we were past this. You kind of think that we would never have to go through something like this. But, you know, I think we said it last week, you know, we're just not shocked anymore. Right. Are we working? Aren't we working our way backwards? It feels like it. It feels we're going in the total opposite direction. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. said he's got a dream that one day people would judge him on the content of his character, not the color of his skin. Yet if I were to throw some things out, separate college housing based on race jim crow era or today what would you say jim crow era. yeah it's today right i mean we are passing what? rules in universities and safe spaces that say hey based on the color of your skin you can't get in there when we look at glaring inequalities and limits to technology that say hey if you live in this particular area you do not have good education you do not have good access to resources would where we have segregated this segment would we say then or now oh that was then. that was then except that it's exactly what is going on today chicago public schools uh finally returned to in-person education on march 1st but that was for K through five only at six hours a day. Do you know what? Less than 10% of Chicago public schools are white. Wow. We are intentionally 
just derailing. San Diego County schools, which are less than 30% white, still haven't reopened. April 12th. Meanwhile, private school students have been in in in-person education for really hardly ever taking time off. Well, guess what? Private school kids are. They're white kids. We, we, We have gone backwards and we now have a situation where we say race is the key determining factor in your job, your school acceptance, whether we're going to support your business or not. Mm. This is the exact opposite of the things that so many people before this group fought for. And I think the difference is, is that the group today is playing politics with a race, not supporting them. And it's why you see who are all these people shouting and yelling in the streets. Well, they're not typically Ben Carson, Tim Scott, being these guys are saying, no, you don't don't make we don't need you to be our hero. We can pull up our bootstraps and be our right. be our own heroes. Oprah dug herself out of the trenches. These aren't the people leading the charge. It is these highly educated white individuals that are yelling and screaming that one particular race and one which would be white and one particular gender males are to blame for all the problems on earth. Simultaneously, though, what are they arguing? They're arguing that gender is a social construct put on us by the man and that it's impossible to truly tell what our gender really is. I mean, this is, I get why you want to take these piece by piece. It's where we naturally want to go. However, it's a moving goalpost and it's a moving standard. And at the end of the day, it's not real. It's manufactured racism. Man, and like I said, I never thought we'd see the day. And we are going backwards. And and it's definitely a hard time. And it's definitely one of those times where it's hard to have a conversation. It's hard to do what we're doing, breaking these things down, bringing facts to the table. But yet people don't want to hear these facts. People don't want to see the truth. And yet... Um, they fall for these lies, and yet we're still going to continue to fall farther and farther. Well, if 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 we want to do something, there's some things there's some things we can do. I mean, you and me are in a situation now with our athletes here, our students here. At the end of the day, real racism is not saying, "Hey, that you got to go get a driver's license or a government issued ID right. in order to vote." That's that real racism comes in the disparities in education that we provide students. If we really care, let's reform our education system. If we really require, if we really cared, let's get access to technology. We did distance education for a year and you know who most doesn't have access to education? It's minority inner city students, but we didn't care about them then. Right. It wasn't convenient. We, we intentionally targeted abortion clinics Mm. intentionally. uh, Sanger intentionally put Abortion clinics targeting neighborhoods that 16% of the population, that's blacks, are nearly 50% of all abortions. That was an intentional attack on a group of people that 64% of blacks live in single parent households and nearly 40% of kids, black kids, are growing up without their dad. And so there, there are problems out there. And I just think for you and me, man, we we have some great partnerships with coaches and and groups that are, man, pouring into these kids, making right. a difference, loving them well. And that's where hope is. That's where things get better. Where things don't get better is Rob Manfred 
saying, well, he's going to rally to to protect these people. Do you know what Rob Manfred makes a year? $11 million a year. That's the social justice war? Joe Biden came out and said, I'm so proud of these professional athletes. They're leading the social justice charge. Making $30 million a year because you can shoot a shot makes you the voice of the people? Isn't these professional athletes that are carrying this equality flag, aren't they the privileged? (laughs) Right? I mean, we will never understand the world LeBron lives. Yet he so badly wants to be a victim. And I just think at the end of the day, they know what they're doing. They're not out to love. They're not out to help. They're out to use that cause as a way to inflate themselves and their power. And it's a really, really disappointing situation. All right. So this episode just keeps getting deeper, right? Because again, we have worlds colliding. You have Black Lives Matter and you have Believe All Women's. You have believed based solely on gender and belief based solely on skin color. Right, we have the Deshaun Watson situation. We said we would circle back um, when things became a little bit more clearer. And right now, I mean, we have 22 women, 22 women, numerous criminal charges, right? Nike suspends their endorsement deal, and Beats by Dre also drops him. So so where, where do you stand? Has anything changed in your opinion? Also, H-E-B dropped him. Shout out. I didn't even know Shout that out. he was a sponsor by ATV. Shout out to I didn't know you could be sponsored uh, by potential sponsor of the podcast. Anyways, it, it's um man, it's a difficult situation. We're having this discussion truthfully in the car this morning on the way to school. My daughter, who has a Deshaun Watson jersey tee, who has a Deshaun Watson like rubber action figure clipped to her backpack, said, Dad, what's gonna happen to Deshaun Watson? And mm-hmm. I told her, I said, well, you know, some reports are that maybe Alex Smith would come here. She did a whole book report on Alex Smith. Incredible story. She loves Alex Smith. So that kind of made her more excited. But I'll tell you what, what has, here's what's not changed. My opinion of the, of the charges. I believe them. I believe that Deshaun did these things to these women. I don't think they are, while they could probably benefit from the money and some no doubt are, if he did those things to you, you have every right to seek that money. And so that that has not changed that they are wrong that he was wrong this these things don't really shock me about him we think hey deshaun's this great clean-cut guy and and yet it doesn't shock me what has changed is my feelings about what's going to happen i i now think deshaun is in a lot of trouble and i think he is not going to play football this coming football season and it may be now that the last time we talked about this on the podcast, every suit was civil. Right. Now we have several suits that are criminal filed with the Houston Police Department. And this situation could continue to get worse. And what really, really concerns me is this push for these women to go on the record. And now you have several that have come forward with their names and have filed these criminal charges. And what bothers me most is that I know how the story is going to play out. They are going to target these women credibility. They're going to drag every life, every mistake through the mud and attempt to completely ruin their lives and discredit them. When reading some of these stories and some of these accounts, they're grotesque. They're very graphic. Uh, and these women felt very, very uncomfortable and very, very violated by the things that Deshaun did in their presence. 
right? And here's the deal. All right. Uh, you're, you're innocent until proven guilty. Um, but here's the deal. If Deshaun Watson is guilty of sexual assault on even one of these women, right, he deserves to go to prison. He deserves it. But guilty or not, I... I did. I tried to do a little bit. Well, I didn't try. I did a little bit uh, of studying up on this, and I think it's going to be really hard for these women to win. I think Deshaun's going to beat these charges, and here's why. All right, I don't just say this claim and not have facts to back them up, like a lot of people in this country do. Um, proving a sexual assault in a court of law is very, very difficult. Like. Even if one of these women can prove evidence of sexual assault, consent is always a defense. And so this is what we see. It's a he says, she says kind of game. And, and so in which this entire case will come solely down to credibility. Right. And this is where I feel really bad for these women. Right. Because when, when assessing credibility, jurors. Right, we're going to look, they're going to give significant weight to what occurred immediately after the encounter. Now, while we don't really know a lot, what we do know is that they did not immediately go to the cops. What they do, they lawyered up. And they they lawyered up, and instead of filing a police report, they filed a lawsuit claiming cash damages. And so to me, this is very fishy that they are all represented by the same lawyer, which makes it really look like a cash grab, right? Because this guy goes on Twitter, blows everything up, um, all these things. And so it really sucks for these women because even before their side of the story is really ever heard, their credibility is in serious question. And and I think it's all because their lawyer, their lawyer was very hungry for, for the limelight. That's good. I'm glad to see you did some research for a change and you're branching out on what you Google these days. But you couldn't be more wrong. I I think that I can completely understand the situation that the women are in. Right. Deshaun Watson is a famous, powerful athlete. Whether they grasp that or not, some maybe did, right. some maybe didn't. I think that is a very shocking situation. We, we would recognize, I, I think Deshaun is a good enough guy that he didn't want to go to a massage parlor and pay the extra money. But he has enough sexual mental health issues of some sort clearly that this thing the guy is getting a massage on his quad glute groin area from 50 different masseuses that's a problem right that's a major problem okay additionally these women are all over the country they're in different places they're in different states and i think that you feel like you're on you're on an island i can't believe he did this to me i'm the only one this happened to and then information begins to come out. And so did Busby go to his Deshaun's representatives and say, Hey, we want some money to make this go away. Sure. I don't, I don't doubt that, but that doesn't mean that the first woman who approached is indicative of all the women sports illustrated did an incredible story with Mary. That's who they called her in the fall 2019. She massaged Deshaun Watson. Her moment predates all these other accusations. She had worked with him before. She's not being represented by Tony Busby. And Sports Illustrated corroborated her entire account that in the aftermath of the encounter with Deshaun, she calls a family member. She gives a very detailed account of what took place. 
And it really is within the time frame of, of those things and what caused her to then go from having just told her sister what happened to bringing it forward was because Watson came out and gave a blanket denial of having never treated a woman in his whole life with any disrespect. And she was so, it took her so long to recover from this that she felt like she had no other option to go forward. And you know, these women, they're, they're also, they're minorities, but they're also not they're single, but they're also married. They have kids and some don't. I mean, it's, it's no one particular group. It's a group of people that you would say if they all matched one criteria, okay, they're all broke, single, whatever they got something to gain. But some of these, I would say have nothing to gain and everything to lose by putting their name out there and having them go through it. And I would say this about Deshaun Watson, Rusty Harden is the premier defense attorney in the state of Texas. I would say, okay, if you, if you've ever been in trouble, Rusty Harden has has represented you. He represented Roger Clemens before Congress in the whole steroid situation. He is big time. However, he knows this information. Don't paint me that, hey, they lawyered up. They're sitting quiet. Tony Busby released every date and every location of where these things happened. Mm. Get Deshaun's phone. Go to calendar. Scroll to the date. And what does this say? Massage with who? At what location? Check his GPS. You're gonna, you know, they are trying to, to put these women to make them fearful. They are trying to discredit them already with these accusations. And I it is very disappointing. I, you know, I, I say this all the time with athletes, my brother and brother-in-law, we talk about this endlessly that man, these guys who they choose to surround themselves with is so important. And so many of them surround themselves with bad advice. Mm. And from everything that we both have read, when the news came out to Deshaun's camp that, Hey, your client has done these things. It was not met with compassion or empathy or like, I'm very sorry you experienced that. I know it may be consensual, but consensual can turn to assault really quickly. As a college athlete, we took a class to say, hey, just because you give consent at some point, if yes turns to no, then consent can turn to assault. Right. Okay. And so just because at one point these ladies were, were not uncomfortable as they go home and they begin to process that and those images roll through their heads and then they hear what happened to these other women, they got every reason to come forward. And, and as a result of it, I just think this is not good for Deshaun. This is not good for the Texans. And, and I, I don't see this ending well, but my heart does hurt for these ladies who, who have, who are going to have to go on the record and those with families and, and lives and, sport imagine that you've built a sports therapy place and you land Deshaun watson to come in and you think man 10 years of work this has paid off right it's disappointing yeah and uh, i think what's really disappointing is that we have these two worlds that have collided black lives matter believe all women and it's put this into such this story into such a hard place like there's barely anybody that will cover it because of this. And it's because of the world that we've created where we've divided up um, and, and we've put these things on pedestals and all of a sudden it's come crashing down. And now we're in a place where two things have collided and it's two things that, that were so 
well supported, so well well fought for, and now all of a sudden, um, a lot of people are put in a tough spot to pick and choose. And I think this is the last thing they wanted to do. So what what do you think? Well, we just we've so we, we we've just so divided our world, whether it politically or racially or whatever. That this is intentional, right? This is an intentional effort to divide us as people. Mm. I shared this not too long ago. You know, I think about after nine eleven, we there was an attempt to divide us, but instead we became united as a nation, and we clung to our faith and we started singing God bless America and some of these things. And, and this still starting with the COVID pandemic and driving us into isolation where there was only one place we could get information where we couldn't be together, where we couldn't see our neighbors face to face. Then the images that we put on TV of the riots and these kind of things, there was an intentional effort to divide us and to take us back to the Rodney King era of division and the, and, and the Martin Luther King area, era of, of race riots and race wars. And there's an intentional effort to divide us and separate us as people. That is, that is intentionally going on. And people have chosen to pick up a, vo- a voice and listen solely to that voice instead of digging into the truth and finding information for themselves. And so they jump on a cause they're looking for blanket statements. They're looking for sound bites that can be tweeted out, not for the truth that has to be dug up. And you just look at, for us, we're trying to be as accurate as we can be. Right. And it was hard to find some information. It was hard to find some of these truths about uh, voting numbers and abortion numbers and the these different uh, ethnic demographic numbers. It, it, it is hard to find the truth and you don't know, man, there's just a lot of opinion places out there, but it is just the reality of a broken world that we live in today. It is. And, and when you look at a situation like this um, and we talk about, you know, we just want everything to be fair. You know, we want things to fall into place. We want things done right. The process to be done right so that everyone has an equal shot at achieving what they want to achieve, coming to a common goal. Um, and when it comes to this story, you know, we we want to see uh, we want to see the right thing done. Right. We want to see um, there. We want we want to see this come to fruition. We want to see a fair trial. Like we want to see all these things. Um, and uh, but we just kind of fallen into the trap of, well, life's just not fair. And and I think I think we see that here. And I hope and I pray that. Um, that kind of doesn't fall on these women that they get, uh, they get unfair treatment, um, that, that they don't get to see, they don't get their voice heard. And, and so, and I just think that's the world we've kind of fallen into where, where we just, uh, are in this trap of, of fighting what's right, but not fighting with truth. Um, and so kind of, yeah, I think, I think that, that yeah, I think that's interesting because you couldn't turn on. The tournament, there was a word on the court, equality. Many of those jerseys said equality. And yes. we've been in this fight for equality for women. And yet then in the Sean situation, some turn their back on them. And we're in this equality for uh, everyone to have a chance to make a living. And then depending on when it's convenient, we shut down a business or we shut down some businesses or we we we, we target one group based on race or we 
make a decision about if we're going to support a family at a wedding because of, of who and the, the color of the skin. And you say, man, those things just aren't fair. And it certainly is a word and I get the heart behind it, but I would caution us today to say when it comes to our faith, I think sometimes we wrestle with it because we look at the truth that comes from the gospel of who can be saved and that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, not a way he is the way. And if we don't know him, then we have no hope. And we would say, well, that's not fair. And I would just encourage anyone today to say, look, I'm just telling you, you don't, you don't want what's fair. You know, when it comes to punishment in our eternal faith, you don't want what you deserve because what we deserve is death. But for those of us who are in Christ, what we get is actually unfair because we get what Jesus deserved because he took what we deserved. And here's the truth today. The system is broken. Both sides. Republicans are corrupt. Democrats are corrupt. If you're trying to find hope, you're not going to find it in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. The system is broken. The system exists for people to come to power, and then they have to continue to play the system in order to stay in power. Culture is broken. Our culture today, we have a culture that glamorized woman of the year, Cardi B, who admitted to drugging and robbing men and who sang a song on the Grammys where she rubbed her parts against another woman and that was called empowerment. That's a broken culture today. Right. And you know what else? The church is broken. Mm. The church is broken today. But I'll just tell you, the solution isn't found in moving to all-star game. It's not found in passing a new law. And to, regardless of what side you were on, the solution wasn't your guy got voted in or you can't wait to vote in a new guy. The solution will come from Christ and Christ alone. And so what do we do today? Here's what we do. We press on. Amen. We press on and we anxiously await the day of the Lord's return because we know that the battle belongs to the Lord and the battle's already won. Mm. Amen. And what an episode. Um, what a time to sit down and hash these things out. And and if you listened and you just enjoyed that um, and, and, you, and you just really learned from that, please just hit that subscribe button. Please share us on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Give us a shout out. Get, a, get us out there. Let's let's get let's grow our listeners from now 22 mm-hmm. to whatever, you know, and uh, let's blow this thing up. We have a great time doing this. Um, we, we love bringing encouragement. We love bringing facts. And, um, and so if this brought you encouragement, please do that. Um, and, and so we hope you have a wonderful Friday. And uh, we just pray that that you would just continue to seek the Lord in all things. It's been our opinion. It's only what we think. But we hope today it's been of some value to you for what it's worth.